0: Thank you, thank you very much, uh, Chris. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Uh, and and uh, hello, Stefan. I just want to be very brief here. I want to do a shout out to Dancing Joy, Felix Ruiz, Chris, uh, Chris Barnes, uh, Jorge Ramos, uh, all the people, uh, Lenny, uh, Mel, all the people that were today into the Eden Fractal event and at thirteen UTC every Wednesday, the Eden Fractal. That's a nice group that helped to empower uh, Eden Onios, EOS by giving some uh, EOS and uh, respect uh Ed- NFTs think- made by by Chris and Felix so I want to just uh, make a big shout out and I invite Felix and and Danjoy to speak later on about Eden Fractal. So thank you. Yeah,
1: for sure. For sure there's always the uh, op- a community open mic at the end of the show where we invite everyone from the community to to jump in, say hi, talk about their projects. Um, For now, we're going to get into uh, launching the show. Kind of threw me off here, but I love it when you guys jump on and say hi, for sure. Uh, So yeah, so welcome to the EOS Fireside Chat. Today is August 31st, and um, we're here like we are every week talking with the EOS community, talking about the current events and the news that happened in the last uh, seven days. So let's. Uh, so today on the agenda, it's actually a short agenda. Um, we may not go two hours, but we may surprise ourselves as well. Uh, we've got the Road to 10K uh, article that came out yesterday, uh, talking about the Discord server actually and how we recently reached 5,000 members and how we're. Thrown out some incentives for the next 5,000 members, so we'll be talking a bit about that. Uh, also, going over uh, the Pop Token article that was released two weeks ago. Uh, a few updates on there. We'll uh, I'll invite you guys to share the EOS meme magic that's been going around the last few weeks in the EOS community. Some great memes out there. Would love for you guys to share those in the chat today. And then we've got some hackathon updates uh, from Chris. And uh, the Yield Plus pilot phase is live. So Danny will jump on. Uh, or maybe uh, Denis will not jump on this week, uh, but we'll be quickly talking about that. So starting off um, the uh, the show today, Road to 10K, uh, so building the EOS Community Server Discord. So I'm gonna share the link here in the stream chat, which you can find by clicking the voice chat and then uh, finding the stream chat in the top right corner. And I'm gonna share a link here to the article in case you missed it uh, yesterday. Basically, what we're doing is we're activating a a leaderboard for people who invite uh, community members to the EOS Discord server. So you can create your own custom invite link uh, in Discord. And then you can use that link to invite uh, friends, family, uh, other people in social media to join us here on the EOS Community Discord. We'll be tracking the invites. And we'll be awarding prizes um, to people as we reach 6,000 members, 7,000, 8,000, 9,000, all the way up to 10,000 members. So we just reached 5,000 members uh, a few days ago. And um, the growth rate has definitely accelerated uh, compared to, let's say, a few months ago. So that's definitely nice to see. Uh, A lot of work has been done, you know, on CoinMarket. Market cap, CoinGecko, all of these places are now pointing to the correct places instead of to the old EOS links. And so this uh, Discord server is getting a lot more attention lately, which we love to see. Um, All right. So, of course, I invite you guys to read the article. Nothing too crazy about it. Just make sure you create that custom link and then uh, share it with friends. And on social media, invite people to join the, uh, the EOS Discord server. And invite them to join this these fireside chats. Um, love to see you guys in here, and we're always getting new people in these chats, which is also great to see. Um, okay, moving on to the Pop Token article. Um, actually, that that article was published a few a few weeks ago. Just wanted to remind you guys that the monthly raffle is up next week. If you show up to these fireside chats in Discord, you get to claim your pop token every week. So you go to the pop bot chat here on Discord and you write your EOS account name with a money sign in front of it. And then uh, you get uh, to accumulate pop tokens, which you can blend four of into a monthly raffle ticket. So I've just shared the link down there uh, in the stream chat. For those who want to blend their POP tokens for a raffle ticket, uh, you will notice a new image to the community NFT NFT collection. So we've finally been able to update that after a little while with a bug in the UI. Um, And so so you'll find that at the link I shared below. Um, Also, actually, some unfortunate news that I just learned this morning. Uh, regarding backed nfts on atomic hub so backed nfts is a function of the atomic asset that allows you to embed some tokens in an nft and whoever owns that nft can claim those tokens by burning the nft and that's how we've been distributing our prizes for these monthly raffles is by uh backing these eos prize nfts with 10 actual eos in them allowing people to you know Keep their prize in their in their personal collection um, for for street cred, or you know, burn it and and bank that 10 EOS uh, for whatever they want to do with that 10 EOS, right? So it's actually we're probably not going to be able to uh, continue using those that format to distribute the prize. We're probably just gonna have to send straight EOS to you guys, and the reason for that is because Atomic Hub has some legal concerns regarding backed assets on their platform. And so while the capacity to back these assets, back these NFTs with uh, tokens like EOS or WAX uh, will still be possible on the contract level. So you can still go through blocks you know, or, or through command line or through the bounty block tool and back your assets that way. However, the Atomic Hub user interface is not going to show them, which kind of ruins the whole point. my opinion so they're doing this because backed assets are actually not used very much it has very low usage compared to all of the other types of nfts that exist out there so and then there's some legal considerations where nfts may be considered uh, regulated differently in the crypto space compared to fungible tokens like for example wax or eos or bitcoin right so because of these potential uh, you know, regulations coming down. The Atomic Hub team prefers to just avoid that headache and just phase out the backed assets uh, from uh, from their platform. So that's going to impact a bit how, how uh, we distribute our prizes. Which is too bad because I really enjoyed these uh, these trophies backed with EOS that we were able to hand out. Anyways, um, not too big of a deal, but I figured I, I'd mention it uh, while we were talking uh, about these monthly raffles. All right. Yeah. So like I said, yes. Real quick. Could you provide like, uh, is there some more info on that? Um, that I could read on. There is, there is, I don't have the link super handy right now, but, um, Jonah from atomic hub did do a interview recently and, um, on YouTube and I watched it earlier today, the clip, let me, I'm going to find it real quick and I'll share in the chat there when I do. Uh, but there's not too much information known yet outside of what I just shared. and um, But there is, what did they say? They did invite me to join this Friday at 19 UTC, a Twitter Spaces event where Jonah will address the community questions and concerns regarding any updates we're planning. So if you wanna learn more, that's where you can learn more. And as for the video, I just found it here and I'm gonna share it in the stream chat right there. Thank you were you planning on using back tokens or, or are you already using back tokens
2: yeah we started backing uh, nfts for the eden fractal um with eos and we, we found that
3: as a great way to, like in a way I, i've envisioning it as adding tvl to eden so you're locking up the tokens into the nft and then that's a way to see like hey you know eden members
2: were serious about eos for the long haul and and we're locking up eos tokens into our nfts so uh, that's kind of unfortunate but we'll we'll find an alternative
1: so you know you can still do it especially if you're you know displaying them on your own platform then that would be fine but of course the fun is to see your nfts alongside all the other nfts when you're visiting atomic hub so uh yeah seems like for now it's uh it's gonna be the end of back to backed nfts what's the okay cac here in the chat asks what's the difference between tokens coins and backed nfts the nft is worthless just has the value of the underlying coins sounds ridiculous yeah it's yeah i mean you know then we can go we can debate the merits of this regulation or how to interpret what is a fungible token what is a non-fungible token etc and stuff um i guess i guess those are those would be good questions to ask uh, the atomic hub team on friday if you want to learn more about their stance on that i couldn't really uh I can't offer more more color than that really all right yeah so um eos memes i've seen a lot of you guys in here sharing some great memes uh in the last week or two about eos um you know we are streaming this show on twitter on youtube on facebook and the way Yana has it set up is that the stream chat is part of what you see when you watch the stream. So for those that can't be in Discord with us, although I encourage you to join us on Discord, you know you can still watch us on these other streams. It's it's nice for them watching, uh, you know, the, the visual, visual, visually, uh, to see a bunch of memes strolling in the stream chat. So definitely encourage you guys to uh, you know share some memes from time to time as uh, as your way of contributing, you know, to this fireside chat. Uh, I always enjoy seeing these hilarious memes. Um, for example, this this pump it one from Marty B, a classic, classic crypto meme with Eve's face edited into it. Slightly freaky for me to, to look at, but uh, high, high quality edits and high quality memes for sure. So yeah, let's see more of those. And these are tweets by TrimBot, so you can even go out and, and retweet them, of course. Round of applause for all the great EOS memes uh, in the last year. I years. definitely
4: feel that the, the quality of meme production went up there a little bit. I'm, I'm not sure who can take credit for this, but uh, somewhere there's a meme factory for the EOS community. I hope they keep them coming.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. We had, uh, we had Dave on our team actually get in there and remaster a meme earlier this week, which he he loved the meme, but it was too low quality for his standards, so we got at, got in there and remastered it. High def it was really great. Maybe we can share that one with Eve there, riding on the shark, blasting away and everything. All right. Oh, Fabio, I'm going to have to server mute you. But thanks uh, for joining the Fireside. Um, yeah, it's Chris yeah, baby. Barnes is the, the best Yeah, baby. Yeah, <laughs> um, Chris Barnes, do you want to share some uh, hackathon updates with us?
5: I would love to. Thank you, awesome. Stefan. Uh, definitely, it, just one thing that you mentioned about the regulations, KYC, AML. These are like they're like such a hindrance to progress I swear, I think we all feel it, right? Like we should all be aligned in one direction in terms of the enemy here and all of crypto should be aligned against the regulators because they slow things down. I'm working on a, something right now that will be very beneficial and it's now stuck at this KYC AML piece and how do you kind of solve this problem? And it, uh, yeah, you need to be creative and do some workarounds, but kind of sucks to hear that it's affecting something like atomic asset and hub anyway. Okay. EVM X idea-thon this is the big event coming up I hope everyone is getting excited the it's going to go live on September 19th so that is when the event will kick off um, so we've got that settled so put it on your calendar um, it's going to be it's got two tracks so it's got the idea thon track which is essentially an idea so it makes it really easy this is a super low barrier to entry zero code requirement To actually participate in a hackathon so i know there's a ton of folks on this call who have probably wanted to do hackathons and first of all it's been you need to show up at a physical location that's resolved this is virtual and you may not think of yourself as a developer and think that you know you need to be a developer in order to participate in a hackathon well here's your chance you do not need to be one you just need to have a brain which i think everyone here probably has one well if you're an eos fan you surely do So that's the one track. The other one's going to be the more traditional hackathon centered around the Trust EVM. So there'll be two tracks. One's an ideathon, one's a hackathon. Combined prizes are 250K USD and EOS prizes. And additionally, all the the winners will also receive access to a customized Helios incubator program, which I think anybody who's heard about the program, uh, there's been great success and, and reviews from people who participate in terms of building out their project, their pitch what their go-to-market strategy, how they're going to acquire customers, just some of the questions that a lot of projects maybe don't quite do the diligence that uh, um, that are required to really build a profitable, long-term, sustainable business. So we're going to provide that to all the winners. Some of the other details. So in general, it's an eight-week event. So when it opens on September 19th, registrations will open, and we'll do an opening ceremony describing the event, getting everybody familiar with how it's going to work, where you go to sign up, um, if you can't, if you if you want to have a team and you haven't been able to find one, there's a way to do that. Um, so that'll happen, and then throughout the six weeks of the event itself, where you have six weeks to work on your project, your proposal for both tracks, um, that and that they'll be due on October thirty first. So, but during those six weeks, we'll be having a series of basically seminars. So the seminars will uh, there'll be five of them in total, and they're more specifically kind of focused on the ideathon track. So again because there's two separate events sort of combined into one, the the, the hackathon for the Trust EVM is very much focused on gamefi. So when you're looking to contribute and submit a, a proposal um, to that side, you'll need to focus on gamefi. So and gamefi can mean many things to many people, but in the end it's it's sort of basically play to earn. Um, application where the users let's see what's my definition here play to earn blockchain games based uh, blockchain games that provide mechanics to yield economic incentive for players to play and interact with the game so that's what's going to be for the trust evm side and then, of course, the ideathon, we're going to, we're looking, we haven't quite settled in on the categories for the ideathon. Um, but stay tuned for next week, we'll drop some alpha if you want a bit of a head start to get your brain churning on what ideas you could focus on. Next week's fireside chat, we will announce the, the four or five categories with descriptions. So a little extra alpha for our community that others won't get. Um, and then, like I said, we'll have uh, throughout the event itself, there'll be five different seminars, and these will be a live sort of like a just a, a Zoom link, or I think we'll end up doing it on YouTube would be live, interacting with the comments. We'll do a design thinking workshop, which is sort of something step one. If you're thinking about an idea, what are the do's and don'ts of coming up with an idea that could be turned into an actual project? So that'll be step one. Then we'll do an EOS slash Antelope technical overview. That will be because even though your idea doesn't need to have any code one of the judging criteria is feasibility. Like, can you actually build this thing? Can it be built on EOS or or Antelope? And so that would be something you will need to kind of factor into your idea. So even though there's no code required, you do kind of need to have some sort of semblance of feasibility that can actually be built. And we'll do a tokenomics gamification workshop so folks can get more acquainted with the ideas of if you are gonna include a token and taking, uh, taking advantage of that aspect of a blockchain, tokens, Then that'll give you a high level view of that to consider in your idea then finally we'll do a pitch deck workshop which is the the whole idea-thon is going to culminate in a live shark's tank style event where folks will present live to hopefully a ton of us watching um to the judging and basically be judged live ask some questions and have the winners sort of decided in real time in this live event which will be delivering a pitch like you would to a vc So you want to create that pitch. So we'll do a session on a pitch deck workshop. And then there will also be an initial uh, session on community development and marketing. And so as you want to consider how you're going to acquire customers and who is your target customer and how you're going to build out this idea, if it was to get built, um, this will help you there. So that's quite a bit. And uh, I don't want to give away too much of the details. So in terms of the categories and the judging and pieces that you really want to consider to how you're going to win this. Um, That will come later. So stay tuned to these fireside chats because this is where we're dropping the alpha. That
1: was great. That was a fantastic update. You've got me pretty excited. This sounds like an amazing event actually. A little bit of something for everyone, Um, developers, non-developers, People who just want to learn all these great workshops you guys are putting on, super valuable skills in the crypto industry and or just just for people who are interested in these topics and not necessarily even people who are building projects. Um, so, yeah, sounds like uh, sounds like a really, really great event. Looking forward to it.
5: And you know what I should do? I want to just say thanks because this was and is really a community originated idea and this whole thing big thanks to to phoenix also he's john paul here in discord he's the guy who kicked this all off he built out a whole really well done framework so kudos to you dude you like you you thanked me but really we need to thank you because you're the reason this is happening because you kicked this off so big props to you and also big shout out to brandon lovejoy who wrote this excellent uh summary article that uh, we we're all seeing shared across twitter so big thanks to him as well
1: Yeah, great stuff, great stuff. Um, yeah, I I might actually have to now join and participate. I, I remember many months ago I said, oh, that'd be great to have a hackathon for pe- for non-devs like myself to participate in. And then when you were talking, explaining all the things, I was like, uh-oh, I'm gonna have to join now. And I was like, oh, do I have time? I'm pretty busy, I don't know. And then I was like, ah, maybe I won't join. But then, but then I actually do want to present sharks tank style like do my pitch and my idea to all of these players in the eos ecosystem that sounds really fun i want to just get on that stage and give it a shot so uh yeah so maybe maybe i will after all
5: you totally are gonna have to dude come on now and or just <laughs> and just so people understand too that way it works is your final submission will be a recorded video of you delivering your pitch so you'll create a pitch deck and then you'll record yourself or your team or whoever you want to do it, delivering that pitch deck five to seven minutes. And that's kind of all you need to submit. Those will get reviewed because we've got two weeks worth of judging, basically. So those will all get reviewed. And then at the last day on November 14th, I believe, is when we'll have it so that the top of each of the categories. So we won't have decided who first, second, third is. And they'll get the chance then to pitch live. So first you do a recording, create a deck, we pick you, and then you do it live. And I think that could be used, Steph.
1: Wow, that sounds uh, that sounds really nice. Great, great format, actually. Love it. Are, are all these pitches going to be public, or is that going to be private? And then, uh, you know, as the community, we only get to see the top three, kind of on that finals day. Or how's that
5: going to play out? I think I think they're all public. So we're using DevPost yeah. as the um, as a platform. So I'm pretty sure they're all there. And what we'd like to do too is during those two weeks when we're deliberating as judges. We don't want them to be dead air time. So we want to kind of really, like this is, the idea, even though this is our first attempt at this, kind of want to make it a big event. And so during that two-week judging, I think we'd like to do some like almost live review. You can watch the judges go through it, the comments they make, like try to do some interaction during the judging period itself. So ideally, yeah, all these pitches will be made public to everybody. So on yeah, DevHub is cool
1: ability for community to vote on projects. Uh, so during that
6: live period, since everything's public, the community can also chime in and browse through
1: everything and kind of give their little rubber stamp on whatever they feel they enjoy the most. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, looking, looking forward to it. It's going to be dope for sure. Oh, actually, one thing, Chris, I, I don't know if you slipped up or if uh, I misunderstood, but you said there was 250K USD in prizes. Um, on the tweet here from ENF today, it says 125k. I and must do have. You know what that's about?
5: I don't know. My math and my brain decided to times it by two. Yeah, it's 125. Thank you. So two it, tracks. It, yeah, yeah, two tracks. 125. It's a 75k for the Idea Thon and 50k for the Trust EVM Hackathon.
1: Wow. So the Idea Thon has more prize money available than the Hackathon. Yep. Wow, um, yeah, that's great. That's great. Hope to see hope to see a lot of you guys in here joining these fireside chats. Give it a give it a shot. Um, yeah, it sounds fun, and, and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing these pitches. Anyone anyone here planning on joining? Maybe jump in here, and say say hi. Um, so I guess we don't know the. The, the 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 guidelines or the the topic for this for the ideaathon yet that's going to be released on the 19th is that how it goes
5: well no i'm gonna i'm gonna drop that next week so we're going to give an advance so they, those who are on this i mean of course it might get shared on twitter and youtube but generally speaking we want to give kind of advanced alpha to this community this is our most loyal group so you guys get the extra time to think about your ideas but there'll be Four or five categories, with the intention of making them basically as broad as possible. Because the whole the, one of the big things here, part of the, the EOS comeback, is bringing back the eyeballs of people who are outside of our community, who who have kind of sloughed EOS off, and we want to we want people to come back with a fresh look. So that's why, if you look at the name, it doesn't actually mention EOS or trust, as like it's EVM is generic. So in the top of someone's email inbox, when they get this, and they might be in mm-hmm. Ethereum magazine, They're going to look at that and not immediately just delete the email. They might open it up and read through it. So we want to have as much participation as possible so that the topics are going to be as broad as possible so everybody's idea can be included. So it does two things. Brings in a ton more people, we hope. Gets everybody who's here to engage because everyone's got some sort of idea. And the other thing is there might be some wicked ideas that come out of this. And these actually might, like these could turn into actual projects that get built on EOS. So the, the, the long-term play that this could turn into, like there might be a second follow-on hackathon that's deliberately about taking these ideas and coding them. Like this, you know, this is just step one of what could be a long a long project to really deliver value to our ecosystem.
1: Very cool, very cool. So that you said there was going to be four categories?
5: So uh, Four or five. Not quite the 2nd so... well, We're just hammering out the details and the descriptions of each, but we're real close. So next week we'll have it ready.
1: And then a certain amount of prize money per, per category. Um, uh, very cool, very cool. Yeah, Looking forward exactly, to it. Exactly. Interesting too, because we actually, so we have this kind of funnel going on where this is an idea thon. You're supposed to come and bring ideas, which then you can either bring to Pomelo, the grant framework or uh, Helios's Helios incubator or any of the other funding uh, mechanisms, which are now finally available within the ecosystem. Uh, and this is just kind of pushing people into that direction. Yeah, it's all it's all coming together nicely for sure. Any more thoughts from the from the crowd or from some from anyone on on these hackathons? Feel free to jump in.
7: I just wanted to say I'm very glad that the
8: uh, do you have the, a great ideathonic
1: idea uh, for the hello sorry two people jump in here please say your name when you also jump in uh, and that'll help a bit with the confusion sean do you I thought I saw you jump on the mic here okay well, well welcome to the show uh, yeah uh do you
8: you do you have like a set of criteria? Uh, the reason I'm asking is because recently uh, I took part in a an hackathon, and the uh, I guess some judge didn't show up, and and they randomly said the winners. So uh, uh, I was wondering, you give the I
5: think I got some of that. You you broke up a bit. Um, basically. So the judges, This is. I'm glad you brought up judges, in the pre-judging, so the final live judging um, session, we'll have. I've got, we've got judges selected for that. However, pre-judging will be something that I'm open to receiving if people think they want to be a, a judge to help out, because um, we might end up, if this is successful, we could have hundreds and hundreds of, of uh, entrants, which is what we want, right? So there's an opportunity to select a few trusted community members. To assist with that judging, if you're interested in maybe being a judge, shoot me a PM, and I'm open to uh, collecting some uh, some folks in the community to assist with that. Uh, in terms of randomly picking winners, that will not happen. There's no chance. We're gonna we're gonna pick, especially because it's live for the idea thought. So that'd be a pretty sketch. If we just flip a dice. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, no, I was, uh, go ahead. Sorry, yeah. sorry dog. Is the
8: voice broke up? I was asking criteria. Criteria uh, for uh, for, there, for judging.
5: Yeah, yeah. So there there will be criteria. That's what I was saying. So I'm gonna we're gonna announce uh, the categories next week, and then probably the criteria the week after. But most certainly there will be specific deliberate criteria for both the Trust EVM Hackathon and the Ideathon. So they won't be quite the same between the two tracks, but absolutely there will be criteria that will have a uh, weighted voting um based on each criteria
7: yeah hey this is uh, this is andrew um aka drew block i just wanted uh to uh say what i said earlier but without two people speaking at the same time very stoked that the uh that the ideathon is happening cuz i think that's a great way to involve all sorts of people in the eos ecosystem are
1: not necessarily developers Even the dog getting in there cheering on the idea song. Love it. Thanks, uh, thanks for jumping in here, Andrew. All right. Well, we'll move on uh, to the next topic, which is actually the last topic on my list. It's only it's only been half an hour, um, and it's not even a big topic really, but it, it's an important one. There's just not too much to share about it, and that is that the Yield Plus program is is now live and the the uh, additional yield is being distributed to the protocols that have uh, signed up and qualified. So, congrats. Um, Congrats to the Yield Plus team. You know they they did a great blue paper, really thorough. Maybe the one of the most thorough uh, blue papers or analysis you know document in all of crypto researching these yield uh, incentive programs. Uh, and then they were able to deliver um, on this Yield Plus pro- pro- program fairly quickly. So it's great to see you know from uh, from idea to market, and now the Yield Plus program is live and um, Extra rewards are being distributed to the protocols. Unfortunately, I don't think Denis is with us this week. Um, I would have loved to sh- to hear him about hear about it from him a bit. Uh, but um, yeah, if anyone else here has any thoughts to share, on Neil Plus, uh, yeah, feel free to do that.
5: I was. It's too bad Denis's not here because I wanted to ask. Um, I noticed like Defi Box has four separate individually qualifying uh, applications, I guess, out of the seven that are there so far. And I'm just wondering if that is, was that like intended that a single, a single project like DeFi Box could have multiple recipient um, aspects to pull into that? Because I think it's neat if that's intentional. Well, it seems like it must be intentional, but certainly good to let, I think um, the other potential DeFi apps out there to kind of keep that in mind, that you can have multiple submissions to receive the yield, not just your overarching DAP.
1: Yeah, exactly. So um, I've actually discussed this with Denis. So I think I think I can answer is that these yield programs are designed not to re- to reward a, the protocol in its, its entirety, but different DeFi applications. So
9: if we look here at tokenyield.io, no, which is where you can see... It. It's the opposite. Uh, so it's not the DeFi application; it's the DeFi protocol. So, a single uh, under the umbrella of a single application, there could be multiple protocols and mul- multiple strategies. So it, it's really there. Each protocol has its own unique smart contract. It has its own unique deposit con uh, account that's being tracked with the the time based uh, oracles, and that that's kind of why because. You could launch all of the, they're they are all separate products. They don't like interface with each other directly. Like uh DeFi box swap is the swap. So that's only calculating the USDT and the EOS in their swap pools. And then DeFi box USN is um, stablecoin generation. So minting stable coins against EOS collateral. So for that one, just the EOS collateral uh, in, in the pool that's minting stable coins is being calculated. Um, the DeFi Box lending is for uh, lending collateral, which is a different bucket for uh, deposits. And then DeFi Box balance, I'm less familiar with. I think that's their stable swap pool. So that would be like their USDT and USN swap pool. It's 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 separate from DeFi Box swap because it's more, it uses a different algorithm, um, more similar to Curve. Uh, because it's meant for like kind assets, so like either a stablecoin to a stablecoin swap, or like a, a a wrapped like Ethereum to another wrapped Ethereum, like where there wouldn't be any slippage. So that that type of swap. So they're they're different products, but under the same umbrella. Kind of like if you think of like YFI, YFI has got dozens of different strategies, and each of them have their own like deposit contracts, and they're all kind of separated. So that's, Denny could probably explain this much better than I, but that's the general idea is that they're all separate products. They just happen to all live under the same umbrella and any other protocol or any other application would be able to do the same thing if they had multiple protocols. So they get rewarded four times. But like if you combined all of their TVL, you would get the same number. So where it really will will matter is there's a cap to how much TVL uh, is, is rewarded so the cap is set at six million EOS of TVL, and I guess DeFi Box Swap is the only one that's a little bit close. Um, so that's where it would really kind of factor in is is hitting the caps. So having it separated uh, allows. That's what I mean. Caps. They can hit the cap on. Um, they can hit hit the cap four times. Yeah. So DFS, I think, has some lending products and things like that. So. They it really depends on also how um, modular that their like whole ecosystem is. So I don't know why DFS uh, I haven't been following them too closely. Um, but I know they have a lending product, for example, which is separate from their swap. So I'm, uh, I could ask Denis about that. But uh, any any project that has multiple smart contracts, multiple deposit accounts. It, it they're, they're essentially separate products.
5: That makes sense. Cool. Do do we know what Nudex product is? I mean, it's the only
9: TVL that's counting for Nudex would be uh or, like since it's order book driven, you would have to have like limit orders on file, and, and those are probably what's being. Uh, Calculated as their TVL. So, like, if you have buy limit orders using EOS or USDT, or sell limit orders with EOS or USDT, those are in in a in a in a in a contract.
5: I was looking to try to figure out what they were doing, but okay, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you.
9: Yeah, because otherwise, the EOS is like in your account. Like, if you wanted to buy a box token off Nudex. Like like your tokens are either in your wallet or or you set like a limit order and you're waiting for the price to like go down or up. So it triggers your order. That would be the only way that your TVL would count on new decks.
1: All right, well, that wraps up the topics I had on my list. Um, you know, time to open it up to the community. If you guys uh, have some questions, want to say hi, share updates from your projects, uh, we'd love to hear them.
7: Hey, this is Andrew. I have a uh, a quick question about the Yield Plus. And uh, that's, uh, as I understand it currently, it's uh, EOS and USD um any idea on timelines for uh bringing in other tokens to the uh sort of tvl figures
9: uh i don't so it really i don't know if, the idea with using only the the hardest assets are they're really hard to inflate or manipulate so um, like any native token on, on eos for example doesn't probably have the liquidity depth to really not be easily manipulated and moved. And also um, there was a considered effort to not include derivative assets because derivative assets, you could essentially turn $1 into $10 of TVL. And like there was a big story a couple weeks ago about the Solana DeFi ecosystem, how like out of $10 billion of TVL, it was really only like 2 billion. It was just being uh, like, Token like TVL is being counted multiple times because of a derivative token. So a, a good example is if if I deposit EOS collateral into pizza lend, I get a, a, a token back, a PZ EOS token, which is like, it's redeemable one-to-one for EOS uh, because it's just like a receipt token. Like it, it just signifies that I deposit an EOS into a lending contract. So the EOS in that lending contract is already being calculated <laughs> As you start adding new whitelist tokens, like if you added a derivative token like PZ Pizza and there was utility and you could like had swap pool liquidity, it's really not new TVL. It's like a derivative of another TVL. So that's kind of like a house of cards that you'll see in a a lot of other DeFi ecosystems. It's really gameable. Um, So that was kind of the reason to stick to hard assets. I would assume that. the EVM token would likely uh, be whitelisted and then like wrapped. I I don't have timelines on any of this, Um, but I think like the first other, the first whitelisted assets you'll see beyond those would be like a wrapped Bitcoin or like a wrapped Ethereum or, or another hard asset uh, with like um, uh, a reputable bridge uh, that's doing the wrapping. So not, I guess that's the answer. I don't have a th- date on the timelines, but as far as like adding the assets, it's it's really just sticking to really hard assets, staying away from derivatives and staying away from uh, tokens with like limited supply and limited liquidity where you could really kind of manipulate th- the prices on them. Because then you'd only be rewarding like this inflated TVL instead of the TVL that is actually important and that's locked EOS. And and it, USDT is also equally important, just because it's it's the on-off ramp for uh, like fiat into the EOS ecosystem, and having more USDT on chain is uh, highly beneficial for the entire DeFi ecosystem. Cool, great info. Thank you.
1: Chris, you were the one typing.
10: <clears throat>
1: There's one thought that I had
6: uh, about that. Uh, this is Dogman, by the way. And um, I-, I don't think it's too big of a priority right now. But uh, something that I learned recently um, Well, I was at a Practically meeting and Dan Lammer was explaining what he was perceiving in Ethereum was that the Ethereum community, in some sense, lost their independence um, to, like, I, I suppose Circle, who does USDC, and uh, whoever does Tether? Um, because he was saying how, like, I don't remember exactly what it was, but basically, the so many of the Ethereum DeFi applications and the value in Ethereum was built upon applications that needed these stablecoins to survive and thrive. And that if the um, if there's some sort of like government censorship for those corporations that issued the USDC and USDT, then that could essentially govern the direction of the chain with like issues like the merge and stuff like that. Um, so I think um, that's something that's that's also good to keep in mind too. I think that in the long run, it's probably best to incentivize people to stake EOS uh, as opposed to a stablecoin, which uh, the EOS community doesn't have. Uh, control over really but uh, that's also maybe just just more of a long-term thing to keep in mind
8: as well Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does make sense
9: for sure I mean the issue there is Um, with forkability and Dan, that's like one of his big things is being forkable and like stable coins are the reason why if there's a contention, like with, with the Ethereum merge for example like there's unlikely to be a contentious fork because the the true ethereum will just end up being the one that USDC and Tether decide is the real one because if you have if you split a chain and now you have two chains well you you can't redeem your USDT or USDC on both chains because Circle and Tether the company need to decide which of those stable coins that which chain has the stable coins that they're actually going to like redeem for hard hard money. Uh, but it, it goes beyond just stable coins too, like wrapped Bitcoin, like WBTC on ETH. It, it's the most liquid, highest market cap uh, wrapped Bitcoin that there is. And um the the company behind that that I think it's Bitco that does the the custody for WBTC they're only going to if there were a chain split with the merge they're only going to redeem bitcoin on one of those chains so it's it's bigger than just stable coins too it's it's just like wrapped assets in general or any asset that's backed by another asset on some other chain like it it makes it very difficult to to fork because the hard assets are only redeemable on, on one chain
6: Yeah, that makes sense. And that's a great point, I hadn't thought about that with all the derivatives, too. But yeah, I think in general, like-,
9: like NFTs, too. Like, think about it. Like, or, or, uh, the NFTs are going to be split if you cha- split a chain. So, like, it, it's kind of like it's, it, it's beyond stable coins. Let's just say that. Yeah, for sure.
6: That makes sense. I I I think it could be thought kind of like a balance between like like independence and like uh, I suppose collaboration or like just potential to grow to some extent because like if you are able to get people to stake EOS as opposed to USDT, then that gives the EOS community more independence. But obviously, there's lots of derivatives and stablecoins and stuff like that, so it, it it's just a good thing to keep in mind too. I think to try to find the right balance going forward.
8: I want to ask one, one thing is that, um, uh, yes. Uh, so do you think proof of stake would be much, much better than proof of
1: work? Um, uh, like what are your thoughts and opinion about it? Oh, pretty easy question. <laughs> proof of stake or proof of work. Um, I mean, personally, my personal beliefs on that is I think there's going to be one proof of work chain that remains standing. It's going to be Bitcoin and all other chains are going to be proof of stake of some sort. That's my opinion on that. I'd love to hear other opinions on it. I mean, in terms of security,
8: um, what do you think that this change
1: would cause any problems in future? Uh, personally, I'm satisfied with the level of security that proof of stake seems to bring. Doesn't seem like it's it ha- it's had any uh, any flaws so far. But at the same time, in terms of a, in terms of crypto space, I think it's important to have different consensus mechanisms to have uh, you know um, backups. Let's say if one of these consensus algorithm fails. I think, but I don't have to any, me, any big thoughts on it.
5: This question to me always comes back to the use cases, and so if your use case is hard money, and that's the only thing you care about when it comes to blockchain, then there's probably a strong argument that proof of work is likely better. But if you're exploring other use cases, which we should definitely be doing in our ideathon, uh you then you might need more performance. So you need half a second blocks and faster finality and greater throughput, the ability to update code, like all of the things that eos can do and antelope makes possible that comes with a trade-off so again it just kind of depends on your use case and whether you need this hard immutability factor and that's you know more like hard money what bitcoin does versus the performant nature that eos sorry yeah eos slash antelope i was about to say the word that can't be said yeah
8: that, that's that's a good question i mean uh, i mean you know the uh, trilemma right the security decentralization and speed um do you think every time you have to compromise one over the other like if you go increase speed then you give up security and if you go more centralized you give up you know um uh, i mean speed or whatever it is uh do you think that uh there'll be a, a chain where you could achieve all three
5: comfortably First, I, I'm not a technologist, so someone's probably better to answer. But I think like most things in life, everything is in the gray. We just get pitted into the the binary black and white, left and right, blue and red type of mindset. But really, life exists in the gradient in the gray. So I don't think you'll find the, the perfect solution where you want to have your cake and eat it, too.
2: <sighs> I was kind of hoping Arik would be
5: inspired to jump in here. I, don't know I
2: mean, I don't know if I want to start a <laughs> really complicated and nuanced discussion about all that. I, I will say that there are trade-offs, but I think there's also, you know, some mechanisms that have a better, I guess what I'd call security efficiency, which I'd describe as like how much money do you need to spend in a normal case to increase the economic cost of attacks? And I think uh, proof of stake does a better job of that from a game theoretical perspective than proof of work. And I think like Vitalik has already talked about this plenty of like he's done a great job describing that uh, in a in a properly designed proof of stake network. Uh, proof of work, particularly, I think, has some concerns in terms of forkability, which I think is a very powerful mechanism to uh, to make your network resilient against attack. Uh, and it also, I think, has some benefits in the sense that you. Can des- with the proof of stake system with slashing, you could design the economics such that the cost for people to attack, for example, to do a double spend, could be significantly higher than the cost of regular operation by honest actors. And that's I think that ratio is what really matters. That uh, they're both, but there's of course all kinds of issues like they're both subject to Pareto distributions and centralization of power. Um, there, uh, there's there's more subjectivity in proof of stake. There's more, you know, potential political kind of attacks there. I suppose, but I don't think proof of work is vulnerable. It's a very uh, complicated topic.
9: Yeah, it'd be it'd be near impossible to um, create a proof of work chain that's secure. So, like, we have Ethereum, right? Pre merge Ethereum, and then Bitcoin. But and there's other proof of work coins out there, but they're all um, really, really easy to attack if you actually like wanted to do so by renting hash power, because the cost to rent equipment and this cost is only going to go down uh, once all of the mining equipment for Ethereum uh, is freed up and it's no longer being used. That means all of the equipment that's still available will probably you'll be able to rent the hash power even cheaper. So attacking any other proof of work chain after the merge will become even cheaper. so that that's why with with Bitcoin, it would just cost a, a lot of money uh, to rent enough hash power to to do anything with it. Um, but as far as it being making sense for any other chain, unless you could have uh, a market cap in, in the like many, many high billions, like it's just too cheap to attack. Um, but like everyone said, there's trade-offs. Like there's a lot of um, trade-offs to not using proof of work. And I think one of the uh, interesting things we'll see post-merge with the move to proof of stake is that um, a lot of uh, skeletons are going to come out of the closet with like staking pools and things like that. Um, so an example right now is like Lido. Uh, their ETH 2.0 staking pool is like 40% of of the network. So they're already almost over 50%, that's just a single staking pool. That's why Coinbase is launching uh, their own ETH 2.0 staking pools, uh, because they they see the issue lying ahead is everyone's kind of competing uh, for the staking right now, it's almost all in Lido. So I think what we'll see is, just like with, with proof of work where there's only a limited number of mining pools. Uh, that kind of operate the consensus of the network, you're going to see the same thing with staking pools, but it's going to be much more obvious. And if you're staking into ETH 2.0 in a proof-of-stake network using LIDO, you're essentially doing delegated proof-of-stake. You're delegating your stake to LIDO, and LIDO is staking to all of the, the nodes that they're either running infrastructure for or that their partners are running infrastructure for. So it's it's... I think you're going to see very quickly that ETH 2.0 is going to look a lot more like DPoS than uh, anyone's talking about right now.
8: That's a
7: fantastic answer. Yeah. Thanks Thanks a lot. Hey, SESC. I'm here with ChallengeDAC, and I have a question about the Yield Plus, Plus program. I, I don't know if anyone would have be able to speak on this or would have uh, the answer to this, but for projects that are dealing with a USD stablecoin, is there going to be significantly more compliance or uh, you know, m- more compliance issues that they're going to have to deal with than dealing with just tokens, just say like EOS
9: tokens? I don't understand the question. Yeah, I'm not sure I
3: understand the question, but I believe that the answer is no. There should be no difference between uh, whether or not uh, you deal in eos or in or, or in the stable coin in usdt okay but so I'm not going to really be sure what you mean by the compliance side of things getting into the apple store
7: getting into I- android uh, you know e- extra loopholes uh, for you know if you're dealing in in a USD stable to- coin versus just you know a, a crypto token
3: can you expand on that a little bit in the sense that are you saying Challenge Act, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, let's say, you're, are you saying Challenge Act is currently not, uh, let's say, listed on the on the App Store and it would want to be and having yield would potentially jeopardize that? Or are you saying you currently are listed and adding that yield could potentially jeopardize that or neither of the above? Having having a USD
7: stable coin. so. Extra, maybe there's like more KYC or there's more, uh, you know, more uh, compliance issues if you have it's USD token versus just
3: uh, you know, EOS tokens or or you know, uh, Bitcoin. I, whatever. Um, I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. I think that that's something on your end you should look into because that would be um, a separate case by case depending on the application. Uh, that would not that would really fall out out of scope of of Yield Plus. And so those that register for Yield Plus are going to be, uh, if they meet the thresholds, et cetera, and they're accepted, then they would get the yield. Uh, Whether or not uh, on their end, if they add support for a particular cryptocurrency, uh, if that impacts their business or their legal status, you would really need to speak to um, uh, an expert in that field uh, for your particular product. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We
7: just, I just wanted to see if we just, if anyone had any general thoughts on that. So, thanks.
3: I mean, if somebody else wants to chime up, does it, does anybody else know whether or not um, that could potentially hinder anything that uh, that Challenge Deck is working on, or does anybody know?
1: All right. Is this going to be our shortest fireside to date? We've been we've been running these since December of last year. And I think only a few of them have been under two hours. We, of course, had our epic seven-hour long fireside chat that one time. It was pretty legendary. Um, but, yeah, if, uh, last call for people. If you want to jump on here, say hi to the community, ask a question. Uh, last call for do that. And if not, we're going to wrap it up early today. Yeah, Aiden seems surprised here. Um, <laughs> for a seven-hour fireside chat, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, I'll go look up the link. See if I can share it. So
8: common um, like canong be. Maybe... A basic question um how does enf uh, fund itself and the projects
3: uh sure that's a really good question maybe somebody wants to link um if, if possible zach or Steph, if you can link the video uh that we did about this it was a short i don't recall if it was five or six minute video that really went into details uh but the tldr is uh the block producers. Uh, uh, reignited or ignited, I should say, uh, inflation uh, going into the saving account uh, roughly a year ago. And uh, that inflation drips at a 2% rate. The It goes into EOSIO.saving. The ENF can then request funding from that bucket. It requires a 15 out of 21 consensus approval. Um, and this is how it funds its um, its operations, essentially, and everything that is subsequent to that.
1: Here you go found that link
3: thank you very much Steph.
1: thanks
3: thanks so much thanks for information uh, you're welcome and if actually if you want more details on uh, where uh, enF spends money you didn't ask that in your question but we do produce quarterly reports where we give a, a very high level overview as well as very detailed overview of where the funds are going um, and that is published on our website yasnetwork.com, in the blog section. The last quarterly report was uh, Q2 2022 came uh, the second week of July. We're currently working on Q3 2022, which should be coming about the second week or so of October. Uh, Thank you very much, Steph. And that'll give you an idea of uh, not only where the funds are going, but why they're going there. What are the initiatives that we're working on? Um, It talks about previous initiatives as well that were funded and where they are in terms of status report, etc. Uh, so it's a really good high-level overview of, of uh, kind of the more financial and, and roadmap side of things.
8: Great, we'll check it out. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks a lot for the explanation. Uh, you're welcome, Anissa.
1: And here's the link to the epic fireside chat of March 2nd. A seven-hour chat. It was uh, uh, a lot of discussion on on fractally. I think this was the the fireside right after the white paper release, if I remember correctly. But uh, I, I personally enjoy the two-hour fireside chats a bit more than the seven-hour ones, and so does my girlfriend.
3: Uh, maybe a little bit of, uh, I guess, follow-up to Alpha that we gave last week. So last week we... I'm not trying to drag this out, but I do see that we've got a little bit more time. We're pretty short on this one. Uh, And I see that there's 54 people still here. Uh, Last week, I believe it was last week, uh, I announced that uh, the ENF would be, or I would be personally going to South Korea to meet with um, uh, Korean token holders, uh, Korean developers. I'll be part... uh, We're going to be having a... Booth at Up the Developer Conference. Uh, I finally booked my tickets yesterday. That was quite a um, quite an ordeal, uh, and so I'll be heading to South Korea on September or landing on September twentieth. Being there until September twenty sixth in the morning, flying from uh, Seoul back to, or to Singapore on the twenty sixth, and uh, alongside other members of the N.F. will be in Singapore until October second. Uh, So So we'll be on the road for roughly that that two-week period. Uh, If any of you are in Singapore or in Seoul or Pusan um, during that period of time, uh, feel free to hit us up. Uh, We'd love to be able to meet, talk in person and such. Uh, This is what these events are all about. Yana just published or just uh, showed the link to the event circuit for the next three months and so uh, in there I just mentioned uh, Singapore I'm not sure is is Korea in there I'm not sure Korea is in there um, there is also London token 2049 November which I will be attending and outside of that uh, someone from VNF will be attending as a mixed match all of those and so again if we're nearby, please feel free to come and say hi. I would love to be able to have a chat with you in person, uh, maybe have a drink in person, finally. Uh, yeah, feel free to reach out. Hey,
1: Morten Matthew. um yeah, we, we just read pop tokens here on the fireside chat. It is kind of a nod to the PO apps uh, that exist uh, elsewhere in the in the ecosystem. Uh, but these pop tokens are proof of participation. So in order to prove that you were here right now for this, uh, for this fireside chat, you need to go in the pop bot chat and write your EOS account name with the money sign in front of it. And then that'll sign you up uh, for the pop token NFT, which I distribute once, uh, once this shows over.
3: So interesting little tidbit, uh, Steph. You just mentioned that it is an ode to the Poap tokens or Pope, or I'm not too sure how to pronounce that. Uh, I was speaking with um, some VCs yesterday, and they actually brought up your Pop token and how they like that initiative and how it reminded them of the Poap or Pope token. And so the Pop token is actually. Getting the eyes of uh, these, these around the blockchain ecosystem, no joke. Full disclosure, I did not know what POAP or POPE tokens p- were prior to that call yesterday. And so, um,
1: yeah, pretty interesting. just name dropping uh, that you're on v- calls with VCs in the context of the POP token. I like it. I like it a <laughs> lot. Right. Well, that, that's alpha,
3: there you go, alpha. Uh, I guess maybe, I don't know if Zach uh, mentioned this earlier. I, I'm now just dragging this on. I'm trying to see how many people will stay and or if the no- number is actually increasing. Um, we have been having, we know how I haven't, it's seven hours. Yeah. I have been having calls with a lot of, uh, VTs, but let me, let me reposition this. Um, because we did talk about this. Ooh, we did talk about this in uh, one of the interviews I did the other day. Um, the the people that we talk to, uh, we need to cater our message to them, right? Not everybody is where we are. The majority of people do not participate in these fireside chats every week. Uh, they don't spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year in EOS. A lot of the people that we are now talking to are outsiders to EOS. They are outside of the EOS uh, echo chamber and or bubble. And so the message that we... Uh, deliver to them and or the things that they would like to know about us are very particular to them. And I think I mentioned this, um, or I did mention this, I I had a whole video about reaching consensus. um, If you want to share that early on when the ENF was formed, a big part in how you can form partnerships and or how you can create relationships is to meet the other person where they are. So you don't expect them to meet you where you are, you meet them where they are. And once you're both there, then you can start walking a path together. And so people may be questioning why we talk about certain things or we broach about certain subjects or that we, you know, that we spend some time talking about, let's uh, say, like the history of, of EOS, because it really depends where the other person is. It depends where that recipient is, where they are in their journey. And if ideally we want them to understand uh, and appreciate and see the value that we have in EOS, the most effective way possible is to meet them where they are. And so we've been having a lot of calls with uh, stakeholders across the ecosystem inside of EOS. But what's really exciting is we've been having a lot of calls outside of the EOS. And I'm going to share a little story uh, because this is part of the you know, part of the calls that we're having. Uh, I've been giving somewhat of an analogy. Uh, and I think it's really important because those who know and those who've been here, I hope will understand um, what that means, and they can they'll be able to relate to this, and they'll be able to relate why it's important to tell the story in in that way. Uh, and so, if last year when the ENF came about, uh, EOS was very much in distress. EOS was a distressed asset, and I liken it to somewhat a patient in a hospital uh, bleeding to death on the floor. And not only are people walking by this patient and ignoring the patient, but many people are actually walking by the patient, kicking and spitting on it as they walk by. Like that's how bad things were. Um, and it's really important to put this in context because when we're speaking to people, they don't necessarily know that. And uh, depending on who we speak to, either they think that EOS was dead, um, and they are, they're surprised that EOS is alive. That is one of the you know messages that we. We get when we reach out to people. Um, Another narrative that we hear is that they associate EOS to being a scam. And it's really important to address that because you can't, you know, that was a narrative and that is branding. That is real. That is something that we needed to address. That is something that we needed to confront early on with the ENF. Um, And although the majority of the people on this call have heard this a year or so ago, some people are just hearing this for the first time. And so if the idea was that it was that the the uh, the patient EOS uh, a year ago was this just dying patient on the floor people are walking by kicking and spitting on it things have changed considerably since then the patient has now been stabilized the patient is now walking the patient is actually in pretty good shape now a lot of what we didn't have last year and what were gaps in our in our ecosystem have now been filled a lot of those functions have now been automated a lot of the foundations, and I, you know, no, no pun intended, have been laid. And EOS now finds itself in a position where the patient is stable. A lot of that first year was all about stability, creating stability, putting EOS back in a position where it should have been four years ago. And it doesn't matter why it wasn't uh, there so much so, because we could talk about that at length. What matters is that it's now there that those foundations are now solid. That patient is now stabilized and that patient is walking. And a year ago when Zach and I first started this, um, and for the longest time, it was only Zach and I, because majority of people did not want to take that risk in coming back to EOS again. And so it's not so much by choice that we were only two, um, it, it was kind of the default. And so we had to go out to stakeholders, talk to them, um, understand what brought them here in the first place, perhaps four years ago, understand where maybe there were trends and patterns in, in terms of why people originally had an inkling for EOS and why they wanted to dedicate their their time and or their, their, their assets to EOS. And so we started seeing buckets form. We started seeing uh, patterns and trends on what really attracted people over. And that's really what formed the base of our priorities. And that's what we started working on. And for the first little while, I'd say five months or so, it was very difficult to actually get anybody on the phone. Um, a lot of people just weren't interested. They'd been burned in the past for whatever reason, and they were just not interested in in coming back. They were, you know, good riddance type of thing. And I would say that uh, in the last six months or so, and maybe more so seven or eight months or so, things started changing very rapidly. You saw it first very prominently with the coalition joining. And so people also question why is there so much emphasis on the coalition? We're supposed to be EOS, we shouldn't be talking about others. You're missing the point. EOS never had allies. EOS never had pa- partners. It's incredibly important for an ecosystem to be able to thrive to have partners, to have allies, to have partnerships and have people Where you're working on a common goal and you're able to split that workload and you're working towards a common vision that is incredibly important and that's incredibly bullish if you can recognize how much value that has and how much space that creates for eos to be able to innovate and to be able to take its rightful respectable place again in the top ranks that 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 is a key 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 piece and so we started seeing that with the coalition forming and then over a period of time when we were reaching out to VCs and we're reaching out to externals, people outside of, and I mentioned this the other day, it's kind of the reverse onion. The idea being we started off in a place and we've been having to add layers to this. We started off very bare bones. The patient is dying. It's bleeding on the floor and we're adding band-aids to it. And then we're adding uh, whatever it may be to it. And that one of that first layers that was really important, obviously the inner core is the community. Having these discussions with people on the Fireside chat weekly, having a lot of our meetings being recorded, published um, and, and uh, available to all very transparently, is a part of that too. Basically working on our inner core, this EOS community, the actual EOS community, um, was a key component to that. And two of the buckets that we created, or two of the initiatives that we created and or that we, we help fund and that we support, being Eden and Pomelo really give a space for community members. And so our three pillars at the onset that we heard from stakeholders were that of uh, funding, community, and development. And uh, Pomelo and Eden really touch upon the three of those pillars in, in various ways because it gives the chance to the community to have a voice and to have a weight with that voice and to be funded alongside that voice. These are buckets whereby... I call them undirected funding, where the ENF sponsors, the ENF provides the funds, but the actual fund uh, deployment and the ultimate fund outreach or or where the funds land is directed by the community. It really does give the power back into the hands of the community. And the data that we're gathering, gathering from that is very, very relevant. It's extremely good. And so we started working on that inner core, working on um, um, ensuring that this community could start seeing value directly, very directly and very tangibly again. That second layer being the greater EOSIO family, which was just rebranded to Antelope, um, and, and having gone through that process of rebranding as well, and why that was important, how this is important to these stakeholders as well outside of these, outside of EOS to the other chains in the greater Antelope family, and why having that Antelope family is so important for EOS as well, and why that creates so much value for EOS. That was that second layer and reaching out to VCs and reaching out to external partners afterwards that let's say that third layer, give or take, or an other layer that you're adding to the onion. We've seen a significant shift in the last couple of months, whereby a year ago, people wouldn't take our calls. Six months ago, people started taking our calls, other foundations, other externals, not having to do with EOS. Other third parties, um, you know, outside of blockchain, inside of blockchain, but outside of our, you know, our own larger, let's say, echo chamber uh, within Antelope. And more recently, in the last month or so, uh, a lot of these externals have now been reaching out to us. And the amount of leverage and the amount of value that they see in EOS now, having gone from a distressed asset to what they're now calling an undervalued asset and what that means and what's currently being worked on um, with the different initiatives and what we are we what we are setting ourselves up for year two. Um, if year one was stability, year two is growth. And how we're preparing ourselves for that and what that means and how we actually implement that um, is all coming about. And you guys get a front seat at this. And yes, it might not move as quickly as you'd like. And you're watching the charts and it's creating a lot of stress. It does that for everybody outside of EOS as well. Our uh, fundamentals and what we've been showcasing that we've been working on is being uh, captured, it is being noticed by the outside. We're starting to see for the first years, external media report on EOS favorably without getting paid, without getting prompted. This is unforeseen. This this is new. We never had this before. People are starting to take notice that EOS is sitting on a tremendous asset, on a huge community of community members, of developers. There's tremendous value that's locked in here that is now uh, starting to get looked at. And starting to look at from a VC point of view as well because people can start to see that they can get in on the ground one of an L1 that is four years old battle-tested no downtime compared to uh, without naming names competitors out there that have a significant hard time staying uh, up and online they're seeing this as a tremendous opportunity and they're not the ones reaching out and we now have the leverage in this market whereby everybody else is having a hard time because they got into liabilities during the bull market and they're not having to absorb those liabilities. We didn't have any. The EOS community didn't sit on any liabilities, which was one of a downsides because we didn't have partnerships, but those are now starting to form. And those, once they hit the power and, and what they will represent and the amount of value that they will add, will be nothing like we've ever seen before because we've never been in this position before. EOS was never in a position to make partnerships before. This this is completely new, that we've never had that opportunity. Um, And I'll end with that. That kind of gives you a glimpse of what I've been working on Um,
10: in the background a little bit more.
1: But the important thing are the POP tokens. That's but the important
3: thing is that one of the VCs actually brought up the POP tokens.
1: <laughs> and I just want to give a shout out to Marty here. If there's one person that should be taking credit for the POP tokens, I would have to give him that, that credit. Um, we work on it as a team, but Marty is the, uh, the creative genius behind a lot of our ideas. So shout out to Marty.
4: <laughs> oh, I can't take this. I can't take this. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Thanks, Steph. But yeah, the, the designer, Sharmona, shout out to her as well. And as we mentioned before, we came up uh, to the Pop Token because of the Poap token. So, crazy credit to the people who did the Poap token. It's just like, you know, uh, we don't have as many creatives who do for every event one design, right? So, the Poap token just says design for everything. But we might go there, we wrap it up uh we come with a pop token and maybe at some point we have like so many events and so many creatives that design like unique pop tokens for unique events in our community and uh yeah super excited that this actually makes around uh outside of the EOS community. Uh and uh, if we have something going on for ourselves it's this amazing uh narrative of turning this ship around. It's like, you know, I got goosebumps anytime I hear these stories and and if I'm imagining what's coming, it's it's really crazy. So good,
1: <laughs> uh, yeah.
4: I don't know. I'm almost speechless. Uh, thanks, Eve, for wrapping this up so greatly.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was a that was a great little speech there. Twenty minutes, twenty five minutes. Um, as long and you were wondering how long people were going to listen to you talk. Come on, man. Of course they're going to listen to such a such a great speech. Um, yeah, so Patrick wants to be unmuted. Yeah, I had had muted you earlier. Here we go. Oh,
10: here Mel here. Can, I, can I have a question? Your yes, go for it. Who's this? This is Mel. Uh, EOS London, and uh, just questioned for Eve's. So um, when you go to the conferences, you're going to begin going to uh, a fair few con- conferences. You've got um, lined up and planned. So what, what is the plan? What are you, what are you actually um, trying to achieve? Uh, what's the objective? Are we going for VC funding? Uh, what, what is it actually you're trying to achieve um, initially?
3: That's a really good question. There's a lot of things that we're attempting to achieve um, and are attempting to signal as well. So it's not just... Um, let me explain. Um, EOS has not been... Represented at any major blockchain conference now for roughly two and a half, three years. Um, when the ENF launched, when Zach and I first started this, by design—and I've mentioned this before—we by design did not want to attend conferences for multiple reasons. One is we were a man; we're a team of two. Um, Whatever time that we spend on the road, and this is incredibly taxing, and it really puts everything else behind, means that we weren't working on on the core uh, within the ENF. And so we just really didn't have the time. That is a huge reason. Another reason, though, uh, because there were some conferences that were geographically closer and wouldn't be necessarily as logistically challenging, was that if we were to attend these conferences at that time, what would we be talking about? Um, we would have had very little track record with ENF, there would have been very little track record of EOS in the last at that time, let's say in the last year, two years or so. So there would have been very little to showcase or to talk about or to, to get people excited about and to uh, get them to understand perhaps why EOS is uh, the next home for their application. Uh, And this is really what we're you know positioning ourselves, and this is what we've positioned ourselves for in the last year, is so that when we start on the road again, and we're starting very, very um, you know, with with a huge uh presence as of September, multiple events throughout the world nonstop, and this is going to be the new norm. Um, we are we did partner with Zysan to be able to take on the European and Middle Eastern market. The idea with that is to create frameworks around what we're building with them so that ultimately we can perhaps have a plug and play solution whereby we can recreate what we do with them, but that we can do it in North America, South America, in Africa, in Asia, et cetera. Right? So if we can create a framework around that, everything that we do within the ENF, we're looking at how can we scale this further along, but we don't wait until the solution is complete before we try to do it. We we iterate quickly. We iterate frequently and we iterate, um, Uh, on an evergreen basis, right? So we're doing that with with Zysan in Europe. And the idea, uh, to answer your question now, because I've I've positioned kind of why we haven't started doing that until now, is uh, to signal to the market. So there's a component of signaling where EOS is back, EOS is here, the new EOS is alive. And when people start looking at this, they'll see that there's been a year worth of work that they unlikely have heard of, that they have not been... Uh, knowledgeable of or not been aware of. And so when they look at EOS now, instead of seeing maybe a year or two of very little, they'll see a year of tremendous progress of turning the ship around, of uh, partnerships starting to form, of a thriving community that's back on track, of different initiatives, funding buckets that are live, that are scaled, that actually have deployed funds, that are not theoretical, they are running. right? And so from that symbolic point of view, that is something that we'll be able to showcase and that's something that we want to be able to showcase. So that is one of the reasons why we're attending in person is really to signal that EOS is back. EOS never left, but for a lot of people, it wasn't existed in the first place. So EOS is here. The new EOS is here. The other things that we want to focus on while we're there, of course, partnerships. So I just talked about um, how EOS is currently in a state whereby it started to make partnerships internally with all of the different um, you know, providers that we've been working with in the last year within EOS, providing services, uh, working on initiatives and stuff. So we started making partnerships at that level, started making partnerships outside of EOS with that, you know, the greater antelope ecosystem ecosystem. And with these with these events, with these conferences, a lot of the external partnerships, so new people that are coming from the outside, because that's ultimately what we need to work towards is getting new people into EOS, getting new people building on EOS, seeing the value of EOS. Our goal is not necessarily to get the band back together. That's somewhat limited in terms of scope. And that's really thinking very small term. What we're looking to do, and you see that in the events that we're attending, is a mix between blockchain events and traditional Web2 events. Because even outside of our own ecosystem and just inside of the blockchain ecosystem, getting people to come in, getting people to deploy on EOS, getting people to um, you know, join the community uh, in, in various ways, shapes or forms, that's great. But where there's a tremendous opportunity is also to position EOS for the greater Web2 space right now in terms of you know blockchain developers blockchain ecosystem stakeholders and such that represents a an incredibly small percentage of the actual market share out there it is still very much an echo chamber so people like to say that EOS is in its own echo chamber blockchain is also in its own echo chamber and being able to position EOS for that market share so that when there's a new wave of participants that come, the EOS is there on the top of their list of one of the chains that they'd like to look at, explore, deploy to, join, contribute to, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that we're at top of mind. And this is what a lot of these conferences are built towards: having an in-person presence, being able to make connections, being able to create the, the basis of those partnerships, being able to showcase what we're working on, what our roadmap is, how they potentially contribute. Finding that intersect between what somebody is good at, what the system needs, and what they can get compensated for, and essentially showcasing that we have those initiatives in place to be able to do that for them in a very easy, efficient manner, and that we can scale. Those those initiatives already essentially are scaling. That is really the goal of joining these conferences. It's ultimately to get more people into EOS.
10: What an amazing answer that was. I hope we recorded that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Thanks, uh, that is... all firesides are recorded, and like you guys <laughs> know, we, we, we do make some highlight clips out of some of the best moments from the fireside. Yeah. So,
0: uh, it's Patrick Nova I just want to shout out my second shout out is for Ibla Rose, ENF, yes. uh, EOS Nation, all the work that you are doing. It's uh, amazing. And uh, I recommend all the people to watch the video with Ziizen Global with Red out pool because he's a partner with uh, ENF. And he will be on the even boots. He has the answer, the message for every people. That could be an investor. That could be someone interested about the tech. That can that can be someone that has still in mind the period with block block one. So I encourage the people to see the video with uh, Zeisen Global that was released uh, last week, August twenty third. That was a nice interview. Uh, a good a great man. Very reliable and also a leader of Core Plus. So that was a nice interview. So I encourage you to, to see that. And yeah, EOS never dies. EOS, EOS is the most battle tested uh, blockchain. Is this, it, it, this is the settlement layer that it should be. And with Yield Plus, Trust EVM, all that uh, together, we will have uh, more token value locked, something uh, very, um, reliable, and uh, with Antilope Engine, Web3 solutions. So the future is great for EOS. EOS never dies. Yeah, baby.
10: Yeah, baby! <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs>
10: Question. You mentioned right. uh, Block1 block there, uh, uh, Patrick. And does anyone know, is um, profile Profile still a thing? Or have we got a variant of it?
1: All I got uh, here are sound effects. <laughs> uh,
3: the, answer <laughs> is, the answer is no. Uh, the team that was working on this left Block 1 a while back and it was never really a thing. That was just... Uh, I'll end it at that. Alongside everything else, uh, alongside everything else, it's something that did not materialize, well, one I one is gone. And-
4: gone. yeah, I want to address like somebody um, asking in the chat about uh, uh should we rebrand eos you know there's so much baggage. I don't think so, as we just like i mean. EOS is not block one anymore. We've been working on this. The ENF has been working for this on this for the last year. And I think um being in EOS and having this narrative and having this unique story really positions us in 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 telling people what Web3 and what decentralization can do eventually. Sure, it might take some more time. You know, it's not as coordinated as some VC powered L ones or other projects, you know, but in the end, in the long term, I think that's something that's really in our favor, that we can tell this story, that we can see like, how things really develop, and that we can also create this like, hard, tight-knit community that's uh, taking responsibility and is staying even in hard times, right? Um, I think that's really valuable, and I'm really proud to be part of this, and everybody on this call should be.
3: Uh, let me address this as well. Uh, because I have a slightly different take on it. Everything that you just said, I agree. And I think that ultimately, that's likely what's going to happen. Uh, But let me give the caveat. So when we uh, started off the rebranding process for EOSIO, which ultimately led to Antelope, one of the things that we knew is that if you look at the rebranding from a spectrum perspective, zero being you do absolutely nothing and a hundred being you actually change the token ticker. That's pretty much kind of the ultimate. Um, And so if somebody who has actually something over a hundred, that's more than changing the token ticker, please chime in. But let's, let's start off with the premise that zero is you do nothing a hundred is you change the token ticker. The way that we've been approaching the rebrand and the way that we've been approaching market research is very meticulous. We, Uh, have been through the ENF, uh, essentially gathering data as our existing, uh, our existence uh, accrues, we've been looking at how the market reacts to everything that we've been doing. And step by step, we've been moving closer to that ultimate, let's say 100 of changing the token ticker. However, I do believe that we don't need to go that far. I don't think that the data right now showcases that that's the case. Having said that, where does it stop? Does it stop at 50? Does it stop at 60, at 70? What does that even mean? If 100 is maybe changing the token ticker, maybe 80 is uh, something similar to Polygon and MATIC, which we talked about months ago. Right now, the data doesn't seem to corroborate that we would even need to go that far. Having said that, the data may corroborate that and we may determine that that is you know, un- up until where we'd like to go. Right now, what we've seen is that we just rebranded uh, to Antelope, and so we removed that legacy of the OSIO. Another key milestone will be on September 21st when we hard fork away or when we consensus upgrade essentially, and that anybody who's not running Leap 3.1 would effectively be out of sync with the network. That symbolically has also a lot of meaning because now there is no other alternative than to run Leap, which is the community. Uh, led version of Antelope. And so people cannot be running, uh, let's say EOS IO 2.0.13 or 2.1 or whatever that may be and still be synced with the main NAND. So it's very symbolic while also being very formal. We will continue gathering data to see how the market reacts and whether or not we need to continue down that path of rebranding, ultimately working towards that 100, which I do not believe we need at this stage. And even the 80 Um, If I liken that to a Polygon slash Matic type of reprint, I do not believe we need at this stage based on what we're already seeing out there. Having said that, we don't know. So we continue accumulating data. Maybe those that believe that um, we need to go the full 100, maybe they will ultimately be right. I don't know. Our direction is guided by data. It's guided by the community sentiment. It's guided by what we are seeing when we're opening doors, when people are reaching out. It's guided by metrics, uh, either through Eden, through Pomelo, through the grant framework, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And so it's not necessarily decided. It's not done yet. Ultimately, uh, as you guys are here, we will keep you informed about that progress. Right now, likely it ends with the the hard fork, but I don't know. Ask me. Ask me a week or two weeks after that hard fork. How I feel about that at that time and what the market is telling us at that time.
4: Can I can I directly answer or not? Go for it. Go for
3: it.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think the one. It's just the answer was a little because... more complex
3: than simple. No, I. So I just want to add. I,
4: uh... I get it. I get it. Um, I think I think moving forward and like until you're maybe at the 100%, people won't necessarily think about blockchains and Web3 in terms of tokens or in terms of single blockchains. We probably will see mashes. And I think Antelope is mo- working in this direction. So work on the Antelope brand, you know, and pro- potentially we don't need to rebrand EOS as, it, as like saying like a settlement layer. Oh.
9: Artist, EOS like has already
3: has already been rebranded multiple times over in the last year. A brand doesn't necessarily need to be the name associated to it. A part I'm talking of that the is the feeling ticket. that you, people you, get. That is just yes, the I'm token ticker. The, the brand yeah, of the EOS is significantly different than it was last year. Even though EOS is still the word, the brand of EOS, the overwhelming encompassing <coughs> brand of what that represents has changed significantly in the last year. It's not one event. It's not just the name. It's the feeling that people associate to when they hear that brand. And that has significantly changed. Whether or not it's yes. changed enough is what we're not certain yet. And that's why I can't give you an answer as to where it, when it ends. <laughs>
4: Yes, and I 100% agree on this. I'm just saying, like, if we do a full rebrand, we lose all this story. We lose like there's a cut somewhere. I think that that won't be transport transported. Uh, so that's the, the only thing where I think you don't need that. And and I'm just was referring to the 100% changing mm. the token ticker. That yeah. was the one. I mean, that, that is I a said. position,
3: right? Probably That's a, So so we, we hear that position on both sides. Some people say it's necessary, and other people say, like yourselves, that it's not um and uh, you you both people are likely right to a certain extent uh what is our job as the nf is to figure out where's that threshold where that little extra incremental uh, amount of effort is is just not worthwhile the roi is just not high enough that there are other priorities that can be undertaken which will ultimately give you more points um with a shorter amount of 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 effort, because one of the things that we've been doing very effectively at the ENF and that people have been recognizing is everything we've been doing is during a bear market and the capital that we've been deploying and the strategic uh, essential bets that we've been making um, have been uh, very noticeable. The one of the feedbacks that we get quite a lot when people from the outside look in is the surprise and the surprise, maybe not the right word, the, aton- the astonishment, astonishment? astonishment, Astonishment? Yeah, they're astonished.
9: Astonishment. The astonishment. astonished.
3: Yeah, to be astonished of how much we've done with how little capital we had. One of the inherent, I think, uh, now values and properties of EOS and strengths, overall extreme strengths of this community, is uh, its frugality, its having not had anything for four years and now making that dollar stretch as far as the eye can see compared to everybody else out there. Uh, and so in terms of competition, we've never had the luxury of having a treasury as a community and or having access to resources um, as a community. And so we've, we've just grown accustomed to doing a lot with very little. And you cannot underestimate the power that that represents. Uh, because it enables us to be extremely resilient, which is really our second superpower. This thing just won't die. And people are recognizing that the, the resilience and the grit in this community, alongside the actual tremendous skill sets that is contain- contained with this community, is what overwhelmingly um, you know, is giving that indication of an undervalued asset, Uh, And so those two things are are so, so, so important as well as part of the, you know, the overall vision, mission and roadmap in the next year. That's what people are starting to see. um, And they're starting to see it in, you know, in grand numbers too.
5: Just to add to that, I think that really well said. And when we look at the world at large today, right, how many people feel like an underdog? How many people feel like they're underrepresented and being taken advantage of by the man? And that's like the definition of the plight of the EOS community, where we're basically sticking it to the man now, going against our quote unquote creator and doing it on our own. And I think a lot of people in the world are going to be able to gravitate to this non-VC, non, like we didn't have an ICO. This is a community led thing. And that I think is going to be a really great selling feature when we start to reach out and get the eyeballs and attention of the rest of the crypto world and just world at large.
3: Definitely. For sure. Very much agree. I'm not even sure what the question was anymore, uh, and if I answered it.
0: (laughs) But I did go on a tangent there. The the answer is Eos never dies. (laughs) Eos does not die.
10: Yeah, baby! We we will
0: not let it die. This is not the time to ask questions. This is the time to do the things. And we are lions, power lions. We are not ships. We are just doing the things, doing the better collaboration with Eden on EOS, Eden Fractal, Pomelo, and EOS, Antilope as an engine, Web3 Solutions, nice boots in Europe with Zyzen Global, and ENF. So, let's go! <laughs> let's go.
10: Don't forget U+, mate. Don't forget U+.
0: <laughs> and see the EOSIO Swiss workshop every two months and see the last one eight interviews by Nova Crypto 60 hours of work see on bywire.news the last videos and you will see the power of EOS
1: Looks like I was wrong once again. It was not going to be a short fireside chat this week. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry.
3: I'm Canadian, I have to say sorry.
0: Why stop at the moon when we can go to the universe?
3: All right. I, I have to go. Unfortunately, I have to jump in another meeting, but thank you all, uh, for being here and always feel free to join these fireside chats, ask any questions you want. This is what it's all about.
0: Thank thank you. You.
10: Best. Best. The, uh, the
0: best, in the, galaxy. The best in the galaxy. Thank you.
1: All right. <laughs> We're going to wrap it up here. Thank you, everyone, for joining the Fireside Chat. Last chance to Thank sign you, up for the pop tokens. I thought we were wrapping up 50 minutes ago, but I'm very happy that we went uh, almost the full two hours. Great, great Thank speeches by Eve there, dropping some alpha. And thanks to uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who jumped on the show today. Uh, thanks for Yana on the production tables. Shout out to everyone watching on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you are, whatever time of day it is. Hope you have a good one, and let's go Eos! Go Eos! Go Eos! Go Eos! Go
4: Eos! Go,
1: Eos. go,
4: Eos. go, go, go Eden go Fractal! Go,
10: in go Eos! Go Eden <laughs> Fractal! Aray! Aray! Aray!
0: Aray! Aray! We are. Yes, yes, yes. We are. the light.